drive-by cinema. Three nachos and a foaming thermos of fun. Welcome to the drive-by cinema school of witchcraft and wizardry. Here's Professor Paul, potions master. Not a very good one at that. Yeah, hi everybody. Gosh, good to see everybody here for the first term of potionery. Can't say I'm a very good magician or wizard, so... And I might be on strike come come the end of the term, so... So you have to take that up with the board of... Board of Neomancers. Anyway, welcome. My name's Paul, my co-host Richard, and we're here to talk about movies here at Drive-By Cinema. <laughs> thank you. I just thought your background looks like you're a professor at Hogwarts. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Use your invisibility spell to show show your pussy off. <laughs> Look at that. Yeah. Oh. For the listener at home, Paul has a cat on his background. At some point, we've got to go live on the video stream, I think, for these, because this is Oh, something... yeah, you don't get the full effect, yeah, if we don't have your background. I agree, we can do that. We can do that, I think, on Podbean. Welcome, everybody. Now, Paul, again, we don't have Alistair, we don't have any special guests on this. We have episode. no friends. But it's lockdown. I mean, does anybody have friends anymore? Not us, Paul, because you gave me a test, a personality test, which indicated... (laughs) (laughs) What test did I give you? Just uh, let's break this down a little bit. Well, you did give me a test, actually. You asked... It was no intentionality behind it. You gave... (laughs) I'd just taken it myself, and I thought you wanted to try it yourself. It wasn't suggesting anything to you. You took it the wrong way, though, Richard. Which is, uh, the results indicated that you would take it the wrong way, as it happened. But the test was, uh, are you a difficult person or not? Yes, and I'm 10% more difficult than you are. So Well, well we'll says. assume that, but let's assume that you also downgraded your answers <laughs> and lied about the results. Well, as if you didn't. Or took it twice. <laughs> actually, no, I upgraded my answers because I knew you were going to get a much worse score than me. So actually, I only got 21%. Of, I'm only 21% difficult, but I told you 30 in order that you would be more honest with your answers, which you weren't, but you were more honest than you would have been if you'd been lying completely. And you got what, Richard? 40? 41? 40? How much? 48, I think. Fuck. No, it wasn't that bad, but it was bad. But also, I know you downgraded a couple of your answers, so let's say you're a 55% difficult person. (laughs) So this is a shock, really. There was no intentionality on my part to, you know, to uncrown you and... uh, 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 Unro- disrobe you of, of of your nice person cover. Just, I didn't mean to destroy your personality, but you took it the wrong way. Like somehow I was doing this on purpose. I'll tell you well, why you did that, Richard. It's because previously you've said, "Oh, Paul, you know, have you scored high on the narcissist uh, narcissist quiz?" And there's obvious intentionality I didn't there. Say that. You, you have on the podcast, actually. I think if people want to go back and find it, <laughs> but you know, there's obviously intentionality. Like you're trying to say, Paul, you're a narcissist. You see, but I, I this, which is a horrible thing to say to a friend or, or a co-host, if you're not friends anymore <laughs> after all this. But you know, so, so, so there was no intentionality on my part. I never actually didn't. I didn't want to unveil you as a horrid little nasty person to do business with. But there you go. Sorry, did you want to say something, Richard? In well, you did. You did admit that you came out eighty percent callous yeah, on the same time. But I fully admit, I'm a, I'm a very, very callous person. Uh, I am a callous person, but I'm not a narcissistic person. You, you suggested this on several, several occasions. You've also, oh, I don't oh, think I've ever. Have you taken the sociopathic that. test? You know, are you part of the dark triangle? <laughs> are you sociopathic, narcissistic, and I think the other one is psychopathic, which essentially is the same as sociopath, isn't it? The dark triangle. The fact that you think I've accused you of being a narcissist really proves the point, doesn't it? No, you're like, oh, have you ever taken I that I bet test? you think this song is about you. Well, precisely. It doesn't prove. It proves that you're making a song to try to say Dirty Duck made you look. Anyway, so this is the reason why we don't have any friends and why we have no guest hosts. I, mean, I don't think you're that difficult a person to deal with, Richard. You know, now that I've learned the coping mechanisms, and now I've got a psychiatrist, it's not that difficult to spend two hours with you a week. Oh, thank goodness for that. <laughs> Plus, I'm paid as a paid carer, so. <laughs> Welcome to the Matrix. No, go on, you were saying. We haven't got any friends. Well,. But I would say, you know, after a year in lockdown, or, or effective lockdown, or a year of curtail lives, I mean, does anybody have any friends anymore? I also have some listener feedback as well. Adam is a big fan of the Italian horror genre, of which the Beyond 
the Lucio Fulci one. Following Get Out, I'm allowed to refer to it as following, you know, the idea and the themes of Get Out, implicit and unconscious racism. Are we allowed to call it spaghetti, spaghetti horror or not? I'm not being overly sensitive. I think I think it's I think it's you know it's a genuine question because I think it's okay to be racist towards the beyond because as we noted, film. it's a film set in Louisiana and there isn't a black person anywhere in the entire in the entire uh, so, uh, tit for tat is, is okay. But generally, is it okay to refer to Italian horror as spaghetti horror or Italian westerns as spaghetti western? Do you think it's okay to do that or not? You have to ask an Italian. I think I don't. I wouldn't like to speak on their behalf. Why not? I know it seems unusual for me not to step up. (laughs) (laughs) What the hell are we talking about today? We're talking about a movie. He's a big fan of the genre of these Italian horror movies. I think he's a big fan of the Beyond and what's it called, Fulci. You, you and Alison, you had almost like a. I'm not going to say prurium, but you know, you, you said this movie was perverted, and the director was perverted. I mean, we had you had a strong reaction against it, and you gave me another test, didn't you? You tested me for squeamishness. <laughs> I did. I'm sorry. Look, okay, look, okay. No, but I, I think you're wait, right. I just, okay, just hold your thought for one second. We'll oh. get we'll get onto that. I'm really sorry about that. But okay, so I mean, you two had a, a reaction that some might say was prurium, but from your perspective, you would say no. This this really is perverted and, and indulgent horror. And I wasn't really expecting that response from the both of you. For me, it kind of threw me because I, I did, I thought it was there to shock us as horror gore, and that the director was shocked by it too. But your idea was he was pervertedly indulging in images of pain and torture. Hmm. I don't know about that. I've reflected on what you said though, actually, because it's interesting. I never thought of myself as particularly squeamish, but maybe oh, I am. Do I hurt your heart? No, no, I've just, I just reflected on myself. Oh, I think reflect. I maybe, I'm, I, perhaps I'm a bit more squeamish than I give myself credit for, but probably more around food, given the questions you ask. I would say you're very squeamish around food, knowing you're rich, but that's not to do with movies. No, no, that's more to do with the food pictures you share of me with carrots on burgers and stuff, isn't it? Yeah, well, that's like, what about olives, eating, what about eating, fish and chips and what olives. about eating the eyes of a fish? No, I couldn't do that. Well, I, I don't like. What about chewing the, the the neck of a chicken? What the wobbly neck bit? Yeah, and getting the meat out of that. Like you know. No, I don't. What I don't about, like what about, crab or lobster. I won't. I don't really. Yeah, like that. I would say, from a world perspective, you're squeamish, but from a cultural enclave, like you know, Western British, you're probably not squeamish. You're probably under squeamish. Just, I'm, I'm not judging it from. I haven't lived in the UK for 20 years, so I think I'm judging it from a different, from a more generalised population mean, if you see what I'm saying. Well, but from that mean, I think, from that mean position, I think you are a little squeamish. But from a British perspective... I, am, I admit I am No, from a British perspective, I don't think you are. I think the whole nation is a little squeamish compared to hmm. the, the world as a whole. But that's, again, that's not my problem with the beyond. I don't mean... I'm not, in, I'm not intending to kink shame, oh. but... That's how it, it came across when you two got included together. I don't <laughs> think you were doing it. I don't think Alistair was doing it, but together somehow you invoke the spirit of Mary Whitehouse suddenly for a few seconds. No, I mean, I, you know, I don't want to see it banned. And if, look, if you get off on seeing people's eyes being mm. dissolved in whatever it, <laughs> whatever it is, potash, soda lime or something, then that's, that's fine. And yeah. I guess the Beyond would do it for you. And you probably don't get that much of an outlet elsewhere. You have to go to these. No, it was films. more the suggestion from the two of you that the director was taking a personal sadistic pleasure in creating these scenes and lingering over them, rather than no. This is the thing taking pleasure this in is... the fact that he was going to scare other people with it. You see, no, no. The reason that I disliked it is because I think a shrewd director who is mm. trying to get a wide audience, not just the people who like that stuff would recognise that he was showing too much. Because it's not, not realistic. Much, yeah, 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 it's it not was, realistic. Yeah. Mm. It didn't convince, it didn't persuade you. If you were on the fence about ah, whether or not he could So therefore, the only reason he was doing it is because he liked those images per se. Yes. I see. I see. Yes. It's, That's a good point. It's like if you're watching a porn and you're thinking, I'm not really sure that guy is like a washing machine repairman. You know, I need to see more washing machine work and less sex. Okay. That would be... That's, in a sense, where I'm coming from, right? 
But perhaps we shouldn't be looking at that as a horror movie so much as a movie for people who really like seeing eyes dissolved. And for them, that's their porn, right? And that's fine. But I thought I was seeing something that might scare me. But it's not going to scare me because I'm just watching like a wax dummy get melted. That's all. You know, in the same way, if I'm wanting to see Washing Machine Repair and I watch a porno movie, I'm going to be disappointed, aren't I? Because I'm just going to be watching two people screwing. Uh, and the washing machine, if it exists at all, will barely be mentioned. Right. Okay. So, so yeah, I gave you a squeamish test and you did come out quite squeamish. Yeah, but I'm not sure it was a properly normalised or validated test. I think it was just four Ooh. questions that you dreamt up. Oh, was it? Was it just questions <laughs> I, I dreamt up? Well, most of it was about clothes and fashion. About wearing socks with sandals or something, wasn't it? A white socks, white yeah. socks. It's a, it's a classic age-old question to tell about how squeamish you are, you know. Do white your, socks with dress Do you object to people in drain pipe jeans with white, white socks showing through? If you and do, not only are you small-minded, but you're also squeamish. Well, I'm glad I passed that test. You didn't. You failed, I think. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you passed, actually, on that particular question. Look, I, yeah. I, I, the point is, the movie we're about to watch is concerning potentially a friend who wants to improve another friend and maybe tests him psychologically. Oh, fuck, well, that's what you've been doing to me. I know. I, I thought there were real parallels between this movie and my behaviour before it, weirdly. I've never seen this movie before, so, so there you go. <laughs> you've been testing me. You've been trying to fix me from the inside, outside. So, inside. so what is the name of this movie we're watching? It is that's nothing... the question I ask you. Oh, why did you know? That's how this works. Nothing really happens. <laughs> or now happens like... For the purposes of this podcast, I am from Witness. And the amazing thing about this movie is it really delivers on its promise. Nothing does okay, happen. You're quite right. It does deliver on its promise. Okay, I just wanted to say, before we move on to the musical Sting, Adam, he's a big fan of those Italian yeah, horror movies. let's get to the and he, Adam, yeah. He recommended, he, he does like Fulci's work, but he recommended Dario Argento as the doyen of this genre. Oh, Dario Argento. He also mentioned Suspira as the big film that is the centrepiece of that. How do you spell Suspira? S-U-S-P-I-R-A. Okay, so... So good recommendations I'll dig those out, and uh, for the delectation of Adam in particular and everybody else, maybe we can uh, watch one of those and, and get it reviewed. Put them on the list. Yes. Bing bong! Bing bong! Bing bong. Yes, Paul. Yes, Paul. Bing bong. Uh, here, Gav. Yeah, uh, I've been delivering your music now for uh, 26 weeks. It's come to Christmas. I've been leaving it out at the front door. The blue ticks haven't had any of it. I think you've been drinking this uh, music for some time now. Is it not time for a customary Yuletide tip, sir? <laughs> you asking for royalties 26 weeks, for your work. half a year of um, free music, mate. Well, why don't you uh, just rustle up composing music? I'll tell you what. If you don't like it, I'll get the music. I'll put it back on the wagon. We'll drive off with it if that's, if that's how you want it. <laughs> No, I feel his mate. There you go. Get yourself another milkman of music. I'll get Kevin MacLeod to do something. <laughs> Sorry, Richard, what were you, you were going to say something serious. Nothing really happens. Nothing really happens. If you were in a cafe and on the menu it said shit sandwich, <laughs> and you thought that's probably a dry kind of joke, an in joke or something. Yeah. And you ordered a shit sandwich. It would still be illegal for them to serve it, yeah. What arrived was a shit sandwich. You wouldn't really have grounds to complain, would you? You would. Would you? Elf and safety. Right. What if they put a warning on it and said, you know, whatever you order not is... Not for human consumption. Something like that. This is Again, joke. they're not really on legal legal grounds, are they? You know, the express purpose of the premises is to feed people. You can't really use that kind of exception. It's a speechless... Yet, in legal terms, it's what's called a speechless exception, isn't it? You know, It's a frivolous, <laughs> a frivolous claim as such. Technically, it might have some value, but under the eyes of the law, there are common sense interpretations for behaviours, aren't there? They haven't applied those there to those restaurants. So. And yet, when we buy or go to see in a cinema or download, <laughs> nothing really happens. And nothing film. really happens. Then what? We again, we have no no legal grounds there, do we? They've, they've uh, the, well, know. weirdly, there were feces involved in this movie, so yeah. So yeah. I think there might be health and safety grounds also. You know, there's a kind of coffee where you get civets to eat the coffee, and then when they shit it out, you use the coffee grounds in the civet shit. Not only that, did you know that most coffee is 10% cockroach? 
cockroach. Yeah. Okay. Most no. ground coffee is a, it, by it's by not weight ten percent cockroach. Most ground coffee by weight is five to ten percent cockroach. Hey Google, is most ground coffee five to ten percent cockroach by weight? Sorry, I didn't understand. Well, I, nobody knows, Paul, so I don't know how oh, you. Oh the know. hell! Like, I'll, 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 look, I mean, <laughs> yes, civet dung is double processed coffee, so that they eat the coffee ground, they eat the coffee bean, and. You can collect the dung and resell it as coffee. That's a very smooth coffee, yeah. yeah. Okay. All right, so if I had said shit coffee on the menu instead, that changes the whole equation. <laughs> well, I think there is you grounds could charge there. more for that, couldn't you? Calling it silly coffee and not calling it shit coffee. I think there is grounds for, <laughs> you know, for trade descriptions, you know, to get involved. But I think if you call it, shit coffee and it's safe to drink I don't think anybody can complain about that really can they I mean this is academic this is a very bad time to open a cafe so shit sandwich and shit coffee are I don't know you might get really good deals on the on the lease if you're on thinking <laughs> apparently it's not I'm reading now from uh, from uh, a doctor's a doctor's website you know those kind of things oh yeah you can't like trust doctors can well you? but uh, Dr. Douglas Emlin, an entomologist with interest in dung beetles in particular. Hang on, aren't they guys who study the history of words? <laughs> Entomologists. Okay, so it's not so a secret industry secret. According to the FDA's own studies, and there's a link there, so let's assume that it exists, up to 10% of green coffee beans are insect infested. According to Dr. Emlyn, they can't be processed out, so they simply get roasted with the beans and ground up into them. That doesn't mean that by weight, 10% is insect. He said that 10% of the beans might have insects in them. In them, yes. There you go. So you're right. I was wrong. <laughs> but there are trace elements of insects in there. Of course. I mean, there we are. Paul, can you explain what the hell this movie is about? Oh, do we have to talk about this movie? Okay, let's talk about it. Okay, so we've got this movie. It's called Nothing Really Happens Like. And nothing really happens. I remember vividly how it starts, which is a grainy VHS recording, supposedly, of an advert for a mattress shop. Ah, it later transpires that our hero or protagonist is the manager or owner, owner-manager potentially of the slightly seedy and strip mall mattress shop. You know, I'm sure there's a thing in the US. I think mattress shops or bed shops were big things. I think there were loads of them. Hmm. I think it's one of those things where mafia in industry in it. It's what mafia, mafia. industry in it. Money laundering it, in it. I think it's one of those things that in certain parts of town, you know, <laughs> only certain kinds of shop can set up. A strip mall. Well, there's a reason for that. It's, it's, it's you know, you can't make much profit in a strip mall, so you're limited to. Twilight Industries. I, I I don't know whether it's... Is it Douglas Adams describes it with a relation to shoe shops? The same reason that, you know, our high streets are full of betting shops and coffee shops. Yeah, go on. You know, if you wanted to get a loan, like for a business, I suppose, you go to your bank and you say, look, I'm going to open a shop. If it's a shop that's already there, you know there must be a market, right? So you can get a loan. But if you're opening a shop for something that's not there, you can't get a loan. So you end up with all shops the same. So there's a kind of sheep trail sheep trail to the investor process and the bank manager process there. I'd accept that. That's not the only reason I don't think why certain shops agglutinate. I think you ended up with a load of mattress shops in these kind of strip mall type areas uh, sort of in US cities. And I think they were devastated by a disruptive mattress sales model. Amazon. Well, not Amazon as such. In fact, it, it's throughout podcast adverts are filled with adverts from mattress companies like Casper, who oh. will send you a mattress for 90 days for free to try. And, wow. You know, they send it you in a box. And if That's going like to work, it, isn't it? Back. You know, I mean, yeah. this is, I mean the, the other thing is like the mattresses that well, I order online through Amazon and whatnot are very high quality, but they come compressed. So they come exactly. like, they're brilliant. You know, I don't have to... And you just sniff a thing. Don't need a go, man whoop. in a van or anything. It just, boo, and then it just explodes. And you don't get that at the mattress shops. You know, you've got to carry that big fucking thing back home yourself or, or pay the 30 quid Ikea delivery fee or whatever. But I think the point is, you know, when pubs reopen here in the UK... We're not going to see pubs again, are we? Because 
there are one or two pubs that have evolved this new service. And there are one or two restaurants. You know, my, my ex next door neighbor when I was a kid, uh, who now runs Northcote Manor, who's, you know, the best Michelin star restaurant in Lancashire, I think. Last was. Mr. Howarth, he's much older than me, but he was a next-door neighbour. So, I, you know, I follow his progress with interest. You know, they've really evolved the self-cooking box from a, rest- oh, right. from a restaurant. So it's like HelloFresh, but yeah. from a gourmet restaurant. And when you think about that, and the pleasantries of being able to have that dining experience at home rather than going to his hotel and restaurant, I think for many couples... It's obvious that it's better done at home and, and half the price. You know, you can have a gourmet meal for £80 instead of 150 I see what you're saying. saying. I do see and what you're I, saying. I, I think, I, I, I think you're I making a pitch that... here. You're making a pitch here, aren't you, for delivering shit sandwiches to people with maybe with some <laughs> well, shit coffee. What I was saying is, you know, by default or by accident, you know, disruptors have moved into an area that's very conservative about conservative behaviors. You know, when we go to a restaurant, we wait to be seated. You know, we see the maitre d', we book it. You know, there's a whole there's a whole process flow there that's not really for the customer, is it? You see, mm-hmm. yeah, there's and, certainly and it's I, certainly more custom than than even necessity, isn't it? You know, and, and pubs the same, and many pubs are now doing this kind of thing where they're doing an outdoor barbecue. Uh, for ramblers, and I, right. I think this this unwitting disruption that's occurred might produce those try ninety days free mattress situations for for the entertainment and uh, and hospitality industry in the UK. And we could, if one of those disruptions is really powerful, and it might be, then. Could we see pubs change forever? I don't know. Anyway, what's the podcasts, price of sheep? I don't know. Podcasts have destroyed this guy's business, and he's in trouble. Yes, he? he's in trouble. Yeah. So that's where we that's where we find him, bedraggled and befuddled by life, and obviously under a certain amount of pressure and feeling a certain amount of tension and stress. And he has a very unreceptive partner. Unreceptive. That's fair. Yeah, is she's, that fair? Is she she's the bad well, guy of the piece. Can, can I just reflect on whether this movie is trying to be a movie about real therapy. life, or is it just an imagination? Is it a representation of of the parts of his personality in himself? Like, does his wife or partner represent a part of himself? Is it an inner voice kind of movie where his inner voices are represented in a really realistic way, where he's hallucinating his inner voices? This is I, it, you know. I, I, spoiler alert! At the end of this movie, I'm not really sure whether any of this has happened. Or yes, precisely. All, you see, it's all a dream. Uh, I think it's set cheap, up. The it? way that she talks to him is constantly negative and harping. But then his friend is too. His friend who makes him take psychological tests, etc., <laughs> has the same harping tone. Uh, yeah. And maybe it's just because the scriptwriter wrote didn't know how to differentiate characters when they're writing these characters. <laughs> Or it could be the fact that it all represents his his inner critical voices that he has to fight with, whoever he is, whoever his real, you know, his true self is or his positive self has to fight against these voices that he feels like pursuing him and observing him. So, yeah, so I did think his partner was constantly critical and constantly negative. Like, like they'd had an argument, but they never forgave each other for it kind of thing. It was like, she spoke to him constantly as if they just had an argument, which they never had, you know. His subordinate at the mattress shop was quite funny. This is really well written, I thought, or well acted, yeah. The little uh, uh, the little young guy who was a legal, a legal Mexican immigrant who was working for him, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I've, I've, like, I've, had, I've employed people. I employed a houseboy, I think, about 10 years ago. Uh, I know what it looks like. It's this, you know, oriental person, you know, the white guy. Yeah. But anyway, so yeah, and it was, it was like this. Like, you just like try and communicate something. And they wouldn't purposefully, maybe, you know, semi purposely get it wrong. They were just like, just no idea what they were doing, kind of thing. So it's really quite funny. Well, what kind of things do they get wrong? 
Well, what, what about the movie? Like, he just he just did no work whatsoever, did he? It's like, he just, like, you know, he just didn't do anything. Like, all he had to do was look after the shop and then, you know, note down anything that happened. And then he did that and he wrote a note, but he wrote it in Spanish. And then he didn't give the note to uh, the protagonist, <laughs> but he kept it in his pocket. You know, he only has to do one thing and he can't even do that. So, so yeah, I was I was vice head master of a school, but really busy at the time. So I didn't have time to do any cleaning. And I, I had a house lady before who was the wife of somebody that worked for the school. And I kind of had to let her go because I wanted her to make pancakes for us in the morning. And just, yeah, so. <laughs> they won't make pancakes. It's terrible. Your servants won't get you. Get like, your pancakes. We're right not servants. You know, they were free to go apart from like four hours, and it was it was contracted domestic help. Okay, with benefits, like you know, they could watch the TV and hang around all day if they wanted to. Like, oh, very know. generous. Yeah. Uh, look, okay, and she would sleep the night because actually their apartment. He lived in the school and wasn't allowed to have visitors in his dormitory with the other guys. And her house was like three or four miles away. So she did sometimes stay over in the house. But anyway, so, but no, it, it was nothing, you know, it was very, it was a work employment, you know, defined roles and that kind of thing, but in a domestic setting. So she was supposed to do the pancakes in the morning for us, you know. And, uh, and so like, I'd literally been through it like four or five times and she had to make pancakes. And it, she got it wrong and wrong and wrong and wrong. And then... So then it was. It was. Oh, I just. I just left it to to make the pancakes, and she put. The, she put. The, she put the chocolate powder in there instead of the flour, and <laughs> instead of instead of sugar, I think she put baking soda or salt in. I just. It was just an unholy flavour. So anyway, I, I got rid of her, but that was her job. You know, she was domestic help, so she was. She was very good at explaining why she hadn't done what she didn't do. And then I got like a, a houseboy instead, and that that was living. So like you know, at this point you become responsible for their development as well in a certain sort of way. But if you're Chinese, I guess you just exploit them and make them do more than an adult would do. So I mean, when the, when the I understand you're a ben- beneficent plantation owner, aren't you? Yeah, if you like. Yeah. So they're, they're better uh, off with you, aren't they? Than so the point the was, you know, we, we were building a swimming pool at the time, and we just had a swimming oh, yes. pool done it was in a banana plantation actually we built the school we cleared a banana plantation and you're getting um, the houseboy to dig he's not digging fast enough so no we have we have workers to dig but i wasn't responsible for contracting any of those workers so please not responsible if you know if 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 there are any retrospective laws to be applied to this i do not prosecute me please because they were 18 therefore you can't that you really can't uh it isn't a labor labor situation, you know. There's somebody staying in your house, and they've agreed to do chores. But at no point can you say you must do this chore, or you're out. You see, so you you don't have a power. It's it's much more like a family situation. Yeah, you could, there cannot be an explicit exchange of money for work done because they're not eighteen. And so, really, it's more about when teenagers get like that. It's more coddling and cadoodling or coddling. What's the word? Coaching them. I don't know. All of these Coach. words sound inappropriate. No, what's the word? <laughs> Mentoring them? No. Oh, definitely not that. You kind of steer them. Cajoling. There we go. Cajoling. More about cajoling them into action kind of thing. So the swimming pool was just like being finished, and I was responsible for the swimming pool. And I really didn't want to do the work, but I had a houseboy. I'm not sure I understand the connection. <laughs> Well, it, it was, this was schoolwork, nothing to do with, you know, the apartment where I stayed on school grounds. I see, yes. I had work to do, like cleaning the pool yes. and putting chlorine and that kind of thing. Getting it ready for the kids in about, it was the middle of August or whatever. So actually the school was pretty much empty. He was capable of cooking, you see, so he did two meals a day. So he, Did he do pancakes? No, but he would, he would go to the market and like, you know, bring back the food and, you, you know, you give him... 25 of whatever and he pretty much organised it so there was two meals for everybody including himself so four people and if he pocketed he pocketed who cares you know blah 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 blah. 
and then of course there would be his allowance, which was fifty pounds a month, or whatever. So like, it's almost like you know he's got an idea of how much work he has to do, and does it involve raking pools from leaves? And it, it probably doesn't extend to that. And so very similar in the kind of movie is that in his mind he kind of decided, ah, oh, I just have to look after the shop and be here. I don't actually have to pass on notes, kind of thing. So anyways, in this circumstance, I told him to rake the leaves and then only turn the pump on afterwards because it was full of leaves. And he kind of decided that he was just going to turn the pump on. <laughs> Not rake the leaves. <laughs> so he just ruined the pump. He blocked the pump completely and uh, rendered this sort of report completely unusable for the first four weeks of term. Yeah. <laughs> so that kind of thing, you know. Well, I presume you whipped him and or, or had him sent away somewhere. So you wouldn't have a house servant, Richard, or a house health, home help in modern terms. You don't have a cleaner? No, Paul. No. What about in a hotel room? Would, is that acceptable? <laughs> yeah. Well, so you don't really have an option, do you, in a hotel? I think the biggest objection is, you know, these days you can get the new iRobot 7 Plus uh, empties itself incredibly. Ah. Hmm. Where, though? Where does it empty itself? Into its docking station, which has a vacuum that sucks all the muck out of its dustpan into a bigger receptacle that only needs emptying uh, once every three months. I <laughs> see so you've looked into it. Is that well? Yeah, you, I'm thinking you about buying the one house for my, with a robot. <laughs> I'm thinking about buying one for my sister and myself. Uh, I was thinking if I was going to buy one, might as well buy two. But they're not cheap. They're seven hundred and fifty pounds at the moment. So. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, you'd save a lot on houseboys, wouldn't you? Anyway, but wait a minute, no. But the i the i robot three plus is exactly the same. It just doesn't have the level of app interactivity. So with the seven plus, you can decide which rooms. Like you can set a schedule. Like Monday, do all rooms. Tuesday, do two rooms. Wednesday, do three rooms. You know that kind of thing. You can't do that with the three plus. You can just it just cleans everything, which is annoying. This podcast is not sponsored by iRobot. <laughs> Okay, what the hell are we what, talking about? Oh, this movie. Yeah. What is the next thing that doesn't happen in this movie? <laughs> so lots of things don't happen. Basically, he, he, him and his wife are not getting on. They're not doing the whoopee. And he's lost and wandering in life. And the only But he has a companion, his friend. And he's got a next door neighbour oh, who is neighbor very vexed about piles of shit that keep appearing. <laughs> With the French tricolour. Tricolour in, in, in the top. Yeah. He thinks it's deer. It turns out to be human. I've got to say it doesn't look human to me. It does doesn't it? look human, no. Do you know wombats uh, produce cubicle... cubicle? Oh, you did know that. <laughs> cubicle poo. Everyone knows that about wombats, sure. I never knew that until this week. They finally found out why and how. What do you mean? Well, they must have a cubicle ass, mustn't they? No, it's it's to do with when you know that moment of release. <laughs> it's to do with how they close the muscles on their oh, it's rectal the pinch. wall. Yeah, it's, it's the, the pinch, final does. pinch that does it. Uh, must be a twist and a pinch. It's twi- it must be a twist and a pinch to get those lines. Yeah. 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 Well, thank thank goodness for that. <laughs> Hail science! <laughs> so they finally, you know, done that. Dis- they must have distended a few. Rectums to find that out, yeah, yeah. Well, well, well yeah. So he's he, so he's surrounded by, by I would say hostile characters. You know, his wife doesn't want to know him, doesn't want to speak to him. It's demeaning and quite emasculating in her comments. I think, Richard. I don't know if you agree. Uh, his next door neighbour, some sort of match or rivalry going on there, but also it's quite abusive. His next door neighbour, isn't he? Doesn't he? Say, doesn't his next door neighbour say he's he's shagged his wife at one point? Later on, yeah, but yeah, later on transpires, but not not immediately. No, and his friend, his friend, no, the neighbours, they don't they don't recognise each other. His neighbour doesn't seem to register that he lived there before, and this kind of weird stuff is going on. Yeah, and then his friend, who he meets, you know, in 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 diners and and those kind of places, in drifty drifting moments that drift in and out of relevance. I think you know, in very transitory geographies is. Just skeptical and wants to improve him, or wants to put wants to put our protagonist on a self improvement path. So that's not obvious, though. At the start, is it? No. There's a, a clip after the advert 
of someone watching this thing about some kind of therapeutic technique called SCT or something. That's right, yeah. And I think it transpires that his friend is using these techniques on him, on the protagonist. Ah, there's a connection here with the movie we watched last week, isn't there? Oh, yeah, uh, Get that? Out, which is, you know, there's references to old-fashioned treatments shown on grainy VHS footage. I guess so, yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's similar. That's true. Spooky. So, yeah, so and then it transpires that there's a weird old lady following, following him around and appearing <laughs> from behind trees. That is creepy, actually, that old lady, yeah. Yeah. So all these characters offer him, like, cod psychological insight into his life. You never speak the truth. Uh, you're so passive-aggressive. I don't know. It doesn't really add up. It's all just a continuous barrage of criticism, I would say. Self-criticism. There was one character who seemed to be giving him advice as well, which is odd because she was just a shopkeeper, who I thought was the best, the one oh. that I really liked. Oh, the lady selling cigarettes? Yeah, yeah. She was called... Beth. It was spelled B-E-H-T-H on a on a badge like Beth. Beth. She was brilliant. The moment of the film that I actually enjoyed. He goes into buy he he kinda of cracks and thinks, right, I am gonna start smoking. That's right. So she says, Oh well he creeps smoke. What do you want to smoke for? for? Yeah. She kind of refuses to sell her the cigarettes. I refuse to say which is the best kind of cigarette. So yeah, it was it was very good, yeah. There's a conversation with his wife as well about him. He wants different kind of toilet paper because he says he's bleeding, and she says, "You wipe, you wipe aggressively. This isn't a new problem." Yeah, precisely. You see. So tickled me. It's just yes. a series of seemingly unconnected. No, I, well, now it is, and I, I'm, I'm failing to say anything interesting about this movie, but when I watched it... You liked it, it. you said it you did, liked it. No, it did make sense, it felt like all these cod psychological observations, you could see why they were saying it, what it was building, it was building up to something, you know. It did kind of make sense in a narrative, in a narrative, in a plot development way, but now looking back, it doesn't make any sense, because now I know how the movie ended. Which is just stupidly, you know. But at the time, it it did feel that the atmosphere and the events were building to something. That there was a relevance to all this really quite trite dialogue. At the beginning, it's just a series of events. And he's getting shot on left, right and centre in different ways. That the metro shop gets shut down. The metro shop is so funny, you know. like because It he, is funny. His little helper... He's- his employer, employee. Failed to note, I failed to notify that they're going to shut the shop down. Health and safety of Health whatever. and safety because it's infested. But then, even funnier, is that his employee fails to notice that it's not health and safety. It's just people messing around with their heads. You know, it's just <laughs> unbelievable. I thought that was really funny and really opposite. He's not getting on well with his wife. She mm. won't get softer t- uh, toilet paper. But okay, there are other things happen. There's a weird deer man. A man dresses a deer that appears. Or there's a real deer, I can't remember. But there's a, there's either a man deer or a real deer that appears. And I think we're supposed to assume that they're responsible for the shit. Yeah. I mean, presumably they couldn't have afforded a real deer if they wanted one in this movie. Because it's a very low-budget production, right? To give it its due... And it's then, an art of course, production. There's the transvestite, or seemingly transvestite old lady, and his aggressive neighbour. Who he, he has a Well, fight. the old lady is his friend, isn't it? That's, that's, oh, we don't know that. I, I didn't know that until, like, way... Later. Until Spoiler way. alert. Turns out it's him wearing a rubber mask. Quite creepy, actually. And a dress, and an old lady's dress. And a rubber body, too. Actually, that is quite expensive, then. Mm. Probably spent a fair amount on that prosthetic... So it's all his friend. It appears that his friend dressing up as as the weird deer man, the deer spirit man. But no deers died in this movie, unlike unlike the previous one we watched. So. Oh, yeah, good point. Paul, forty seven mm. minutes into this movie, what happened? Something happened which made me shout and nearly turn the fucking thing off. What happened? Which is the opening credits. Yeah, what was that about? <laughs> Because I thought, fuck, is it, this is the end. And I was thinking, 
thank fuck that was weird but at least it's over now yeah what but was no. all that about I, I didn't get why they put the credits on exactly bang slap in the middle of the movie <laughs> apart from just being Outre 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 yes I haven't used that word in a long time Outre so again the dialogue is dull and turgid but Outre there's a lot of trendyisms and uh, things that might be current that you might expect those kind of characters to say and they're in the dialogue presumably just to be in the dialogue kind of thing and yeah so then we wade through all this and what do we get at the end I don't know what we get at the end I mean, I was getting frustrated with it. At the end, I think it does try and tie it together. How? There is a, there's a moment where they're in a public bathroom and there's a series of urinals on the wall and his friend is labelling them. <laughs> I can't remember what, what with, but they're like parts of his mind, aren't they? They're like super uh... type of thing, isn't it? Or imagination and drive or something. Self-determination. I can't remember. He labels them all. It's some kind of metaphor, isn't it? for tinkering in his head in some way. Because, of course, in the United States of America, urinals, as you may know, often have a flush handle, don't they? Wow. You, did you not know that? No. Have you, never, have you never peed in America? I have peed in America, but I've never... You, to be honest, you I sit usually, down? I usually go in the stalls, to be honest with you. Did you, you sit down usually? Yeah. It's just more comfortable. Okay. You tell yourself that. <laughs> Do you think? Oh, oh, you think the normality is to want to stand in a very public place and expose yourself to other men that you don't know? Are, are, you, are you suggesting this is psychologically normal, Richard, or societally normal? Maybe. <laughs> Rather than Maybe. do what you know. I mean, you know, if you look. Uh, Tribes that haven't adopted modern behaviours. Do you think they stand up peeing richer than men or not? Or do you think they squat down like normal people? I don't, I, I don't know. You'd probably stand up. Yeah, you'd no. Stand, why would you no, squat? No, no, no. People squat down to have a pee. To pee? Yeah. yeah why? When you don't need to. It allows your bladder to sit in a very comfortable position. You get more out. Okay. And it's just more relaxing, isn't it? <laughs> okay. Also, instinctively... You don't want to be peeing and stood up because you'd be prone to being viewed by large predators. Hmm. Oh, I see. So you should do it lying down then, really. (laughs) (laughs) So, where were we? So it is one big metaphor. So in the end, I don't think think we're supposed to say this is a man out of his mind. He's gone through a, not a breakdown, but a meltdown. Yeah. So he's he's imagining things as he wanders through the city. So the city is real, and that's why it looks real, but the words that come out and the interpretations he spins on it is his own mind. And it's a metaphor for the different voices in his head or the different processes of his mind kind of thing. So it's a redemption story. Is he healed by the end of it? Did you feel healed when you watched it? <laughs> I, I don't know. I think it was more about a comment. It was more a, a comment on self-help and all this kind of stuff. Let's lump it all together, you know. Psychoneurotic help. I don't know. The whole industry surrounding You know you called it sci-fi. I think it's PSI-fi or PSY-fi. But this whole, this whole industry of Reiki and psychotherapy and self-help books. And it was, I think it was a very... Broad strokes interpretation to take away from this movie. Hmm. Okay. Did his friend cure him in the end? I just, I just, I, I failed to follow what was going on towards the end, Richard, to be honest with you. I mean, I got involved in thinking, you know, is it just metaphor? Is it yeah. not metaphor, but metaphor included, i.e., hallucinatory or, or delusional metaphor? Or is it just him and his friends dressing up stupid and shitting in each other's gardens? You know, I didn't really know. <laughs> and it, so. So you, when you texted me about it, it seemed like you were in, you enjoyed this movie. But I was now, towards the end of it, and then I got to the end, and I was thinking, what, what, what are you supposed to conclude? It was, or is it just nihilism as a movie? Is it just a series of pointless things? I, th- I think it was maybe trying to resurrect a feeling that's been lost in American movies. In the early nineties, there were there were those kind of art house movies of just like people hanging out in Austin, Texas 
which was going to be the new San Francisco of its day. It looks like it might be actually post-COVID. The left field of Texas, um, the people wandering down streets and the constant movement of American traffic and, 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 and the mobile nature of American life and people wandering on foot through this uh, and the, a kind of American Kerouacian inspirational nihilism, let's call it that. Yeah, I think I think it's trying to hark back to that early slackerdom before, before Generation X became termed slacker. A kind of road... Not trip, a road wander, a road walk, hmm. uh, a hitchhike through contemporary life, maybe. I buy it. And the soundscapes and, and views, cityscapes of, of modern contemporary urban America. Let's do bloody scores for this then. So you're not going to help me? You're not going to tell me what it's all about? I have no idea. I have no idea. It baffled me, this movie. Totally. But, you know, there were some nice things like the atmospherics, you know, that the sound of America, of you know, a car-based American culture in motion. You know, the sounds and the sights of urban America is very evocative. Americana still sells, I think. And this, I think this left-field take on Americana was interesting, yeah. Why was his wife reading the book, that, which was a French version of a kid's book, and the French name <laughs> is Harold et le Crayon Violette? It's just a kid's book. Why was she reading the French version of a kid's book? It's just... It's inexplicable. I don't know. Why were the credits halfway through? I don't know. Like I said, it does have some saving graces. I think, you know... Some it, of it was funny. Some of it was funny. If some of it was very yeah. funny, you know. Uh, some of the dialogue... A lot of the dialogue was very stilted, but some of the dialogue was spot on. You know, I think the fight with his neighbour, when it turns out that nobody's sleeping with his wife, it's just... It's just... <laughs> it's just... I don't know what's been going on or... He imagines that he's he imagines that he's having a fight with his neighbour, or he imagines that his neighbour slept with his wife. He burns a chair. He burns a chair. <laughs> There's lots of oddball, funny moments. I think that do work quite well. It's just a shame that it's interspersed with quite a lot of dead dead wood. But well, like I said, the one saving grace I think for me is the atmosphere. You know, if you're like the under underbelly, or from some, some people's perspective, the detritus of modern America. You know, the convenience stores, that kind of walking in and around. The sidewalks of a of a modern American city. I, I don't think he does it enough. You know, we don't see enough strip malls, enough pawn shops, uh, enough casinos, enough diners. I think we're heading to one diner. But the, the idea of underbelly detritus, the idea that there's there's a lot of life going on that doesn't conform to well behaved ideas, is interesting. It's worth exploring, and that saves I think in the funniness. So. General, I'm, I still like it. I just, I was disappointed that it didn't really come to anything, you know. For acting, then, what would you give it? <laughs> I don't know. Six or seven? Yeah, that's fair. For Beth and for the uh, for his employee at the mattress shop. I'll give it a six. I didn't much like his friend, him himself, his wife. His neighbour <laughs> was there. <laughs> the personalities were not pleasant, though. But the acting was was decent. I don't think we can do science. And well, he I claims it's sci-fi, but I don't know how it is sci-fi. If Alistair was here, he'd say, oh, maybe we can judge it on its psychology. I don't believe there's psychology in this film. I just think maybe it's some no, crazy they, stuff. They put some self-help rapper in there, you know, like there's a, there's a little rapper. All right, so let's skip that. It's not a horror movie. We can't do fear factor. S- special effects? Action. <laughs> Atmospherics. Atmospherics, okay. okay. I liked okay. it. I liked it. Did it have a good soundtrack? I can't really remember. I don't know, no, but it did have that kind of thing. You know when you're hanging out midday when you should be at work, but it's Tuesday and you're in the park and you can hear the traffic going by on the freeway nearby. It had all that kind of, life is going on, life can be weird, okay. life can be mundane. had all that interesting atmospheric. So I'm going to give it an eight. Oh, I'm not that impressed by it, but I know what you mean. Hmm. It certainly evokes a, something that's a bit unusual. Yeah. Yeah. I'll give it a seven. I'll give it a seven. Oh, you're coming around. Okay. So what about the plot? What there was of it? I don't understand. I don't understand it. That's got to count against it, in, in a way. Well, the plot is, he thought there was a deer man who's some sort of masculine spirit, I guess. You know, but it was actually his friend actually dressed his as a friend. woman. He thought shitting in gardens. There's, there's, there's a woman 
gets it into his mind, who's an old woman, but actually it was his friend. And he thought his neighbour was sleeping with his wife. He might have done, but he, in all circumstances, his neighbour didn't know it was his wife. If it was real or not, or imaginary, in both circumstances, his neighbour thought that it was his sister. So they had a punch-up, or did they have a punch-up? Was it all imagined? I don't know. I've heard enough, Paul. I'll give it a four. <laughs> I'm going to give it a two. <laughs> well, I'm only giving it as high as four, because I think, possibly, we may have missed something, and a listener is going to... No, I definitely did us. miss something, but please, you know, write in angrily and tell us what we did miss. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, it's I'm kind of sh- it's a short sell, basically, is what I'm doing. You know, I'm um, not paid for these podcasts, Richard. I, I can only watch it <laughs> once, and then flip that's through. That's enough. <laughs> well, no, I watch it once. I, I, if I'm not feeling tired, I'll take notes whilst I'm watching it. Or I won't. And then, in either case, I'll flip through again to points in the movie that I want to watch again quickly. and Just the ones you want to masturbate to again. And then look at the notes that I either have or haven't taken. If I haven't taken notes, I'll do the same thing as if I would have taken notes, which is, you know, refer to online resources about the movie. So I don't know how much, with this kind of movie, I don't know in that two or three hours I spend. Thanks for that thrilling behind the scenes. <laughs> you know, I don't know how you do your reviews. It's none of my business. But in the two or three hours that I do the review, it's very rarely more than three hours. I don't know how you could get anything more out of this movie, apart from get it wrong. If there is something more, I don't know how you would get that, apart from the wrong answer that we did get from it. Uh, how about uh, intrigue and ability to make you think? Um, Oh, right, okay. Making you think. I mean, it did make me think, no question. But not in a tenant cool way. Just what about in a, a get-out, fundamental ideas of society shaken way? No, not that either. It just okay. made me think I must be going mad, mostly. Well, I, 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 it made me think, you know, if somebody is having, not a breakdown, a meltdown, and... They are. He wasn't. I thought the suggestion was he's hearing voices or fully hallucinating, more that he was putting cognitive spins on what happened, you know, or imagining situations out of what really happened, you know, as you might do in a meltdown. You're not really in control of yourself. That's. I think it was one moment where he flashbacked or flashed into pulling his heart out and murdering his wife. I would have liked to have seen more of that, where there's an explicit statement with the camera and with the cinematography that some of this isn't real and a designation somehow with the camera to show which bits of it were definitely not real, which bits were real, and importantly, the bit that was up for debate. And there was no differentiation in how Mm. the camera was used to portray any of that, you see. That's my biggest problem with making you think. It could have been a really nice Jacob Flanner about is this real or not? But it wasn't. Mm. So for that, I'm going to give it a three. What about you, Richard? Did it make you think? Just made me think. Oh my god, I'm I'm not cut out for this. So- <laughs> depress you? Did it did it leave you? It with did depress a- me? Yeah, it did depress me. I didn't yeah. feel good after this film. Did it leave you not really thirsting for any more life? Because it did yes. to me. <laughs> it, it kind of I, it was very powerful. This movie in a way that I didn't want it to be. Like- <laughs> I would love to see more of Beth, though. You know, I want my spin-off series with Birth would be good. So, I like that a multiverse of bad indie <laughs> movies. Wow, that's really cool. And with the power of co-writing today, they could, you know, all these small indie writers can write each other into their multiverses, couldn't they? Hey, it's true that. Wow, the power of the cloud. That's how we can beat the Marvel multiverse. For intriguey stuff, I give it a four. No, yeah. a three. A three. Yeah, so I didn't like the fact that it really depressed me. And and won me over with its negativity. Beat beat me just by being crap, you know. Like, water will wear down the strongest stone. And I just felt that this was... Do you have any of those mates? And, and, like, they can beat you. As discussed, Paul, not really. No, but they can beat you. Not not in an argument and not in a relationship and and, and, and not in life. Anything particular. But you feel somehow beaten by them. Not that you're a competitive person. It's just... They just win through by not caring about anything. Have you got any of those mates? I think probably. You know, and they just win through life by not caring. This movie was like one of those mates. Like, if you try to make a movie about pessimism, like Ibsen or like the, the big Scandinavian directors, you know, like 
they're never depressing to really watch, are they? Because they make you think about it, you know. Whereas this really did depress me, <laughs> just by not caring about anything. I, did, I don't think I, I think I stayed in bed the next day after this movie. Richard, it was that, <laughs> it was that depressing. <laughs> it's not a recommend, then, is it? I'm going to give this overall a two. For that. <laughs> it was it was just soul destroying, you know. I mean, I think it would turn the strongest atheist running towards the nearest church. This movie, you know, it, it just sends people looking for salvation. It's just so miserable. <laughs> Your overall score is. Well, I'm looking at, I'm totting these up, and it's you know, it's quite a decent score. And I don't want to give it that. No, I'm going to downgrade don't. it from its average to three. Should. Yeah, just yeah, three. well done. I somehow feel the need to cleanse myself of this, like with another better movie, perhaps. Okay. So I know now people are going to in droves to watch this and see how bad it is, aren't they? This is the problem. We're going to win through like this movie won, won through on us. It's like you know we're saying don't go and move, and I just know people are going to go and watch it now. But but it's think- not. It's not so bad. It's entertaining. No, it's not. not. It's just depressing. Yeah. It um, is like a mattress. It's like a mattress it's like store. A mattress in a, store. <laughs> you know, it's it's like MFI on, on a Tuesday morning. It's just, well, not that MFI exists anymore, but just don't go there. So on to bigger and better things. Okay, Richard, I think it's your turn to present movies toward me. How about there's possibility of a movie about the COVID period? People in masks, Ooh. self-isolating, called Songbird. Now, it seems that you're farting in my general direction, Richard. Oh. I don't know how that's coming across over Zoom. Songbird. I'm not... No, no, I'm getting better floral notes now. Yeah, okay, Songbird. Okay. Or we could, and this is, I've just come up with this, we could go with the Sandra Bullock movie, oh. Bird Box. Bird Box. We've got a bird theme here. And where would you find yeah, birds? Would you find them theme. in a wood? Would you find them near a house in Sherwood? <laughs> that's it. That's the uh, other possibility, I suppose. <laughs> a new Prime, uh, Amazon Prime movie, oh. The House in Sherwood. Okay, so we've got three options. Songbird, a 2020 made-for-platform production, is it? Netflix, I think. Made for Netflix, made for platform. All about COVID and not just a metaphor or uh, a... Oh, no, Songbird, Songbird is Amazon, I think, sorry. Bird Box is Netflix, yeah. Okay, so Songbird is Amazon, but not just an imaginary future puppy-puppocalypse, uh, but a real pandemicopolypse, yeah? I.e. COVID. It. Yeah, so ostensibly about COVID outbreak. Bird Box, Sandra Bullock, but what's it about, Richard? It's some kind of post-disaster, apocalyptic, oh. uh, nightmare future... Yeah, survival. Yeah. <laughs> Lovely. Okay, and finally, the house in Sherwood, which I think is found footage. But what's it all about? It's some kind of horror, supernatural horror movie. <sighs> now, after twenty-three sci-fi movies, I said I never wanted to watch a sci-fi movie again. So I don't want to watch Bird Box for that reason. Okay. I would like to go for horror, but we've chosen some really bad horror. So maybe we'll do House of Sherwood another time. So I'm going to go for Songbird and just Songbird. Uh, you know, we this this podcast was created for lockdown reasons, which are not going away. So our podcast isn't going away, and so I think we have to we have to face it square on. We have to do and talk about a movie that is about this lockdown at some point, don't we? Hopefully it can't be as bad as right at your door. <laughs> okay, so Songbird, it's on Amazon, is that right, yeah? I believe so, yeah. We'll check that. Uh, I'll put a link up on the show notes and all that stuff. Super. We have a Discord server these days. I've never, oh, never wow. mentioned that on the What's podcast. What's the server's name? Drive-By Cinema? I don't know. You need a link. You need to put special letters in. But I've put links on the show notes. Uh, oh, that's so. very, very lovely of you. Now, if I was... If we were a podcast that paid royalties on music, we could probably play Charlotte Gainsborough's Songbird in a Cage now as our outro music. But I instead, think you, probably, you could get away with it, I think. Well, probably. You have to but slow instead, it down go, 5% and change the pitch equal bit and then put some undetectable like 10% random noise through and I think you'd get past the detectors. We're thinking about. Otherwise, I'll chicken out and put Paul's music at the end in three Two, one. one.